homily for the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time, September 27, 2020, St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks. One of the results of our fallen human nature is a tendency to rebellion. You may remember that song of a whole bunch of years ago from the rock artist John Mellencamp with the line, When I fight authority, authority always wins. Or how about this? Those of you parents who have or have had teenagers, you may have experienced a glare stagging daggers at you on the faces of your kids. Today's readings show us how to generously serve the Lord despite those inclinations to rebellion. They also remind us of what an amazing God we worship. Last Sunday, we heard about an owner of a vineyard, as we do today. In that reading, the owner was looking to hire day laborers. In today's parable, the owner turns to his two sons. It may be a day like all the rest, on which the work to be done may not be too pressing, but important enough to require the services of both his sons. The first son refuses, but later on regrets his decision and goes to the vineyard. The second son is agreeable at first, but as the day goes on, he's nowhere to be found. The moral of the story on its face is simple. The first son did his father's will that day, even if he started out acting like a brat. The second son's offense, feigning loyalty when he had no intention to be loyal, was doubly harmful. Let's stop for a moment to consider the setting. Our Lord's audience for this parable is a group of chief priests and elders of the people. They would claim, We are the big shots around here. When dealing with us, you've reached the top rung of the ladder. Picture, for example, a lawyer arguing a case before the Supreme Court. That would be reaching the pinnacle of his or her profession. The chief priests and elders were proud men who were used to the rank and file bowing before them. In their eyes, this Jesus fellow should thank them for consenting to give him a minute of their time. We cannot overstate the sense of shock these men felt as Jesus lambasted them, arguing that the worst kinds of sinners of their time were entering the kingdom of God ahead of them. This was an insult, altogether unthinkable. Notice here also how pointed the Lord is in the application of his parable. There is no vague summary statement, like whoever has ears to hear should hear. Rather, his explanation of the parable is crisp and on the offensive. So why were these apparent pillars of the community subject to a harsh judgment? We can point to at least a couple of reasons. One is their pride. Everyone else needed to repent, except for them. These men could quote long passages from the prophets in which God implored his people to reform their lives. But somewhere between the prophets' exhortations and their own accountability, there was a disconnect. A second reason for the Lord's harsh judgment was their duplicity. If anyone talked a good game, it was these men. They sounded and looked for all the world like the experts on the spiritual life. But deep down, they harbored contempt for the work of conversion. 
They seemed like the dutiful son, aiming to please, but their hearts were AWOL. They were bitter, pompous, and working hardest on preserving the acclaim that others would shower upon them. An instruction from Jesus earlier in St. Matthew's Gospel speaks well to this issue. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything beyond that is from the evil one. Jesus longed to show them the humility that they would need in order to be reborn in the Spirit and exercise true love for both God and neighbor. In today's second reading, St. Paul told us how Jesus embodied that humility perfectly. Many scholars are convinced that this reading was actually a hymn used in the liturgy. In other words, Paul may not have composed this prayer, but may have incorporated it from the practice of the early church. What we have here is a text that could well have predated everything written down in the New Testament. This prayer describes for us how wondrous a thing it was for the Son of God to become man. He underwent a twofold emptying of self, not only by setting aside the appearance of his divinity, but also by submitting to a shameful death. If we really know and appreciate who Jesus is, his desire both to assume our own human nature and to suffer atonement in our place is absolutely stunning. Anyone who understands what Christ has done should confess his salvation to the world on bended knee and renew that act of love every single day. Because of his compassion for sinners, the Father greatly exalted him and has made it possible to greatly exalt us along with him. What then is humility? Humility is not self-loathing, as some believe, nor is it about thinking too little or too much of oneself. The truly humble think mostly about God and others. Humility is nothing other than the truth about oneself. Namely, that each person receives his very existence as a gift from God. None of us can cause ourselves to be born. The truth is that all of one's innate gifts and talents in which we are so often tempted to take pride, are gifts that originate with God. The truth is that God is and always will be the center of the universe. Truth and freedom go hand in hand, and humility frees us from trying to be someone we are not. Humility is what helps us to be genuine and helps us to go beyond merely saying the right thing, yes, I will go and work in the vineyard today, to actually doing what we say we will do. When calling the former tax collector, St. Matthew, to follow him, Jesus remarked that sick people are the ones that need a doctor. It should be a cause for rejoicing that so many in Jesus' time who had offended God so notoriously became open to the vision of a new and abundant life and that they invited Jesus humbly to lead them in that direction. Their repentance is no affront to us, because the same choice awaits us. How blessed are we to know that even our moments of rebellion do not deter God from pouring out his grace upon us and welcoming us back home. Amen.